fail and then we get stuck there because it's that narrative that is circling around our heads instead of seeing what it's for. This is just practice. This is action and motion and you're meant to fall and fail and make mistakes until you excel. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry. Today we're going to talk about failure. <laughs> Are you laughing already? I know it's something... To think of a- a, a, a smart quip, but I couldn't come up with anything. Mm-hmm. All I can say is I'm sorry. Get it? I know it's something we all avoid, but hopefully by the end of this episode, it will be something you welcome. Embrace. After all, our failures set us up for future success, and failure is an integral part of learning if you use it. But in today's society, where it seems like we only hear about success, we're not really privy to all the many times that those that we see succeeding, we don't see the failures that preceded that. So we avoid failures. But by the way, right, clearly. Anybody no, successful has, has failed, failed multiple times. It's just they handled it in a different way. And I'm going to give you so many examples today. So after you walk away from this episode, you will know more, be able to lie to yourself. So failure often makes us feel shameful, and it couldn't be less than true. So, Michael, you've heard the old adage, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Right? What do you think about that? Well, in general, it's definitely true. If you're going to do anything you set out to do, you want to set out to do it in the best way possible. Well, yes, but I'd like to disagree. (laughs) Do you? Really? Anything worth doing is worth doing badly, poorly, and inexpertly. Comprende? If you have to, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Because if it's worth doing, it's worth doing with effort and commitment. And everything worth doing is worth doing badly. That's first. To get to a place where ultimately you will succeed. So we often skip the messy part of growth. And we have this with one of our kids that every time, I mean, he really, really doesn't enjoy process. And so every time he's disappointed by an outcome, you know, it's like, the sky is falling. And I'm always like, you have to learn this word and learn to love it and expect it and appreciate it and enjoy it. And that is process. Because that's the making of anybody. I think often we imagine the glory, right? The glory of a full house at the Met, if that's something you want, or walking on a stage to accept an award or signing autographs outside or whatever it is. But we imagine just that state. No, that sounds very interesting. Not to you, but to some. (laughs) But we don't fantasize about the times we fall short or we mess up, obviously. The problem is our vision of us succeeding seems to be where we kind of spend a lot of our time. And it's a roadmap to our purpose, but it's only that. It's not the outcome. So to our listeners, what was something that sparked your joy that you dismissed because you decided you weren't good at it? I mean, think about how many things each one of oh, us could have been. Pursue. Mm-hmm, could is have there, been good is at. Is there something you can think of? Um, yeah. But I've I've gone back and done it. Like yeah. I, I if there's something I had regret about not having done or seen through, I'm actively doing it now. And I, you know, yeah. You know, I remember hearing an interview that Ed Sheeran gave and he's he was on the Howard Stern show and Howard Stern's like, Wow, you know, your voice, you know, it's it's amazing. You've obviously always been this talented. And he's like, No, I in fact, when I go and I meet with like young kids and they're saying they want to be a singer or a songwriter. Why are you looking at me like that? No, I remember the story. I just love it. It's so inspiring. Yeah. 
they're like, oh, I could never sing like you because your voice is beautiful. And he literally plays recordings from when he was 16 or 17. And honestly, like, wow, it doesn't sound too good. <laughs> and you're shocked. First of all, I love his humility and his desire to believe in other people and help them believe that they can be great as well. But that took practice. Like if he just gave up and he was only a songwriter but didn't think he could ever train his voice, then he wouldn't be Absolutely. who he is today. So no matter what your I can't is, I'm willing to bet it's something you've only tried a handful of times, but then at some point abandoned that, which is, you know, kind of scary. I think that for me, the my view on, on failure is based on what I think life's purpose is. And we talk about this a lot, but I think it's worth mentioning again that the spiritual view of life is that we are born a certain person with traits, both good and bad, positive and negative, and we are meant to be in a constant process of change, a constant process of transformation. And with the understanding that I ultimately will, can never really be happy, can never be at peace, unless I am actively transforming, changing. And I know for many people it is not, I mean, I don't, you know, again, I don't know what, if we took a poll, I wonder how many people really see that, because people want to succeed, of course. If I am not good at basketball, and I want to become a great basketball player, I want to become an expert in a certain area, or a certain skill. But not many of us are thinking about the importance of change, for change's sake. Which means, again, of course, become a better person. All the transformation leads us to become a better person. But it is not just about getting you know, from lack of success to success, from lack of skill to skill. It is a world view. It is a life view. That, that I know that whoever I am today, in order for me to be happy next year, and in five years from now, I better be changing, for the better, all the time. Well, I think, so, unfortunately, people can just consider the idea of change and growth, especially at a rapid pace, only in your youth, right? And then we falsely think that we were meant to arrive, that is the first lie, and that the change, if any at all, usually is forced or it is circumstantial, and it is slower. It is not meant to be that quick. And all of those are lies, right? So I think the first thing is to change what your view is on in terms of your evolution and what that's meant to look like. And I would ask our listeners right now to be honest with yourself and ask is changing really for the better in in all aspects. Is that a real constant desire that you have? Because I think and I think a lot of people if there's a problem, oh, I'm having a person's having a problem in their relationship, they want to change the dynamic, or they might even want to change themselves in order for the relationship to work. It's more, again, change for a goal rather than change as a way of life, is, is what I'm saying. So if and when that becomes your reason for being, which I strongly believe it has to be, in order for an individual to really, throughout life, be satisfied, happy, then you realize that failure is one of the most important aspects, because failure simply is life teaching you, or showing you, this is something you need to work on. So, I think this is where it starts, and again, I do think that, unfortunately, not enough of us are focused in this way. So first, desire change. 
for your own sake. Again, not, not for success, not for certainly for the way others will view you, but you, your soul, needs to be transforming all the time. And then, of course, therefore, failure and mistakes are going to be a necessary part. Of, if you'd never made a mistake, if you even if you didn't hurt somebody else, for example, then how do you know that you have to learn to be more conscious of others? If you never yelled at somebody and really felt regret about it, how are you going to learn that part of your transformation has to be to diminish your 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 anger and so on and so forth? So there's actually an ancient teaching that says one can never accomplish without failure. One only achieves with failure. And specifically that one achieves where they have failed. So it's not, you know, if you ask most people, would you like to go through life without any failure? The answer would be yes. But that would be a big mistake. Would you like to go through life without any mistakes? Many of us would say, of course. But when you understand that the purpose of of the mistake is in order to shine shine a light on those areas that you need to change, and only again predicated on the fact that you really see your life's purpose as changing for the better all the time, then not only do you embrace change, uh, mistakes and failures, you actually realize they are the most important part of life. Unfortunately, the examples you gave about, you know, if you never yelled at somebody, then you wouldn't realize that you needed to change the way you expressed yourself. But I think very often when we make mistakes, we look to see who we can blame and where the oh, fault lies, because sure. we don't want to take responsibility, because we equate failure very often with not being capable or intelligent enough or able, really, right? So well, I think we have to really. There's so much that we it's, have it's to. It's biblical. I was going to say it's it's the, the first in, in the in, in the biblical story. The first mistake ever made was Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Those of you who know the story. But the interesting part is that the first thing that happened when in this biblical story, God asks Adam, "Why did you eat from the tree?" He blames Eve. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course and, he does. And 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 the and the Kabbalists explained that, that that his failure was not that he did or did not eat from the tree. It was that he blamed Eve for his mistake. And like you said, I think it's a very important point that when we look to blame, all that is is our ego saying, Don't change. Don't change. It's his or her fault. Right. But, yeah. Did you want to uh, No, exactly that. Because even if you look at the word failure, you can't consider failure without considering fear, right? So right away, it's like, oh, if people see that I made the mistake, I'll be found out, or they'll see I'm not smart enough, or I'm, they might laugh at me, or I'll look stupid. It's all, and what is, what are all those examples? Or they'll think I'm dumb. It's ego at work, right? And that's where we get into trouble. And that's how we get stuck. We fail and then we get stuck there because it's that narrative that is circling around our heads instead of seeing what it's for. This is just practice. This is action and motion, and you're meant to fall and fail and make mistakes until you excel. And that's a very important point. And I, I, I would, I'd like to ask our listeners to really think about either a situation or, or an aspect of their lives where they are blaming somebody else, either for your circumstance, your lack of anger, uh, income, resentment, your, any whatever. Of it. it's, and, once you live like that, everything falls under that category. And, and, and think about and reflect upon where maybe it's not them. Maybe there is actually something about you that needs to change. Maybe there is something about your life that you want to change. Because like you said, I, I, the ego, is, who's, which is very smart, what it does is, because it, the purpose of the ego is to, is to make sure we don't change, to make sure that we stay who we are. One of the best ways to do that, when things don't go right, oh, it's not me, right? It's him or her, it's them, it's circumstance. Well, 
to what you were saying, um, Ravashla, the great Kabbalist teaches that we can't rise without falling first, right? We can't complete our work. We can't elevate to the highest levels without first going down and then going up. So to me, falling is synonymous with failing. So there has to be that that dip for you to go back up again. Again, if not, how do you learn? Now, before we we really go deeper into the spiritual understanding, I want to talk about this idea of failure and, and what we think is a failure. Was it really that? So I want to give some examples. Have you ever heard of General Motors model EV-1? Nope. Right. So you've heard of General Motors, but sure. not EV-1. It was the first mass-produced all-electric car. It came out in, any idea? 2012? 1996. Oh, really? Oh, I was really wrong about that one. What a big mistake I just made. <laughs> you did. I mean, honestly, I'm not impressed. 1996. And That's before we got married. And General Motors decided that there wasn't enough demand, and it was discontinued in 1999. 16 years later, in 2012, huh. Tesla released their all-electric Model S with great success. What if General Motors had stuck with it? I think it's a perfect example of how I wonder, we are. I, I, wonder, I, mean, I know. Maybe it was just before its time. That is possible. Yeah, I know but what, what if really they tried again from. in 2000 or 2005 or 2012? And my point is it wasn't them that came back with it. Sometimes the goal we set out to meet is a failure. But what, we, what if we stumbled across something that's really profound and it's just not the right time? Again, my point is if you don't abandon your idea or your beliefs and you try again, it might come to be. So the year was 1968, and Spencer Silver, a researcher at 3M, was attempting to create an extremely strong adhesive, but instead made the exact opposite. I think it's a really interesting story. This very weak glue was easily peeled off without damaging the object it was adhered to. His glue was deemed a failure. It didn't fit the purpose it was designed for, but Silver never let go of the dream that his creation would one day serve a purpose. He just couldn't figure out how to use it. Six years passed. In 1974, Art Fry, a co-worker at 3M, had an epiphany. Fry sang in his church choir and would mark passages in his hymn book with bookmarks, which would eventually all fall out. If only there was an adhesive that could stick to the pages, but with the bond weak enough so that the adhesive could be removed without harming the paper. The post-it note was born. That's interesting. So it's just, I love, that's what I love about reading about people's lives and their stories and history, because it's so informative how many times have we had a good idea and we just abandoned it because it didn't fit the criteria in which we had intended it to. So then we think that it's not worthwhile at all. And I want to just give you a few more examples because I, again, I, I, I love studying people. This was in Entrepreneur Magazine. So these four entrepreneurs ended up having massive success, but they were all rooted in failure at first. And this is the perfect example of why you should never stop as soon as you meet failure. So Ariana Huffington, we all know who she is. She got rejected by 36 publishers. And it's hard to believe because it's one of the most recognizable names in the online publications. But her second book, which she tried to publish long before she created the Huffington Post empire, was rejected 36 times. George Steinbrenner bankrupted a team. So before he made- Is him, that true? Yeah. Which team? So before he named him, he made a name for himself- when he acquired ownership of the New York Yankees, for those of you who are not Yankees fans, he owned a small basketball team called the Cleveland Pipers back in the 19, in 1960. By 1962, as a result of Steinbrenner's direction, the entire franchise went bankrupt. That stretch of failure followed him when he took over the Yankees in the 1970s, and the team struggled. With a number of setbacks and losses through the 1980s and 90s, he had major public criticism, and he made controversial decisions. And then those who follow 
the Yankees. He led them to an amazing comeback, six World Series between 1986-2003. Walt Disney, he was told he lacked creativity. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's one of the most creative geniuses of the 20th century, but he was fired from a newspaper because he was told he lacked creativity. And then he had a bunch of flops. The list goes on. This was interesting too. Milton Hershey started three candy companies before Hershey's and they all failed. So if you know him for his chocolate, he first started his candy production career when he was nobody after being fired from an apprenticeship with a printer. Hershey started three separate candy-related ventures and was forced to watch all of them fail. Can you imagine? And then he founded Lancaster Caramel Company and he started seeing results and then we know the history. But like we can just draw on those examples. I mean, there were so many more, but I just picked the top, you know, four or whatever. How many times have we abandoned things that and actually, it might, it might be in. so. There's a really interesting book called "The Right Kind of Wrong" mm. by Amy Edmondson. She's a she she's a professor at um, Harvard Business School. Harvard Business School, because I'm quoting her too. Oh, nice. There's three types of failures she identifies. Well, but yes, but but actually, what I found interesting as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good correction, Michael. Is, he was going to say more interesting. <laughs> well, if you say so. Uh-huh. <laughs> that uh, when she started her career, her first research, when she was a PhD, um, uh, when she was going for a PhD, she was in charge of the study, which was which is an interesting study, to research whether good teams in hospitals make less mistakes than bad teams. So, study different teams in different hospitals, those that had a good team ethos, and those that were not really working well as a team, would her thesis was that the those who were stronger and better team made less mistakes as opposed to those who were not working well as a team. So she does all the research. You know, it's not an insignificant amount of money, and she tells the story that she got the research back. And what do you think it showed? Well, I would have thought the team that was working well together would have better results. Right? They would make less mistakes. Yeah. Right? So the, the the results came back. No. And it, ego. Her, what was well, it? no. The, the the so her thesis was as you, as we was, said yeah. was that better teamwork better will result. lead to less mistakes by those teams in those hospitals, and they found the opposite that there were more mistakes reported from the teams that have great teamwork in the hospitals, as opposed to less mistakes reported by the teams that had worse teamwork in the hospitals, and so at that point she obviously she was upset. You know, she saw it as a failure. You know, because the thesis, it's clearly the data was showing the uh, opposite of her thesis. Then she had an interesting brainstorm. And she thought, maybe it's not that the teams that don't have good teamwork have less mistakes. It's just that they report the mistakes yeah. less. <laughs> I was going to say that because... So she did a little bit further research. She did a little bit of further research, and it came to be true. Mm. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't that the team that had better teamwork have more mistakes. It's just that they they were so they were more <laughs> no no they they were more readily reporting them because the teamwork and and she comes up with this idea of a, a, a psychologically safe environment where they knew that if they report their mistakes they're not going to be crucified whereas they could the, learn from it and work exactly together, do better. so which uh, which is which I think is interesting on many levels right that that there actually were probably more mistakes in the teams that had poor teamwork, but because the 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 
the ethos was so bad, nobody wanted to admit to the mistakes or therefore report the mistakes. As opposed to, again, where there, where there was real teamwork and there was real camaraderie, they were more apt and open to report mistakes. So she realized from there that, and the problem, again, is that when you don't admit your mistake, even to yourself, you're bound to repeat it, you're not going to grow from it, you're not going to learn from it. So she develops this whole idea of a psychologically safe space, which I think, for me, because what we're talking about here is the life as change all the time, you have to be safe with yourself. Most of us don't want to learn from our mistakes, because we're scared to admit even to ourselves that we've made a mistake. Well, if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself, you'll criticize yourself beyond, and you'll feel shame, and you'll feel an array of negative emotions, so it's easier to say, you know, to to seek perfection, because then you can't be attacked. Exactly. But what we're seeing is... Not by yourself or others, and obviously that's not true. Well, it's the opposite of true, and I think one one element which I would add to that is that if you envision the blessings you want in life, whatever it is, love, success, and the understanding that those blessings are waiting for you, but the version that you are now is not ready to receive them. You have to become a more improved, a different version of yourself, in order to be able to access and manifest those blessings. Again, hopefully, that thought gives the drive not only to want to change, but also to embrace our failures, by saying, I'm so happy. But again, this is internal, right? You have to be safe with yourself to say, I'm so happy that I realized I'm doing this wrong, or I did that wrong, or I made, or I had this failure, because then it gives you a roadmap to become the person that can receive the blessings that you're meant to have. Well, it's kind of like if you want to write a book. I mean, I know I had this process, and I thought I should have written a book by a certain age, and this, that, you know, and I saw it as some kind of a failure that I hadn't achieved that yet. Then when I finally did write a book, I realized, wow, I couldn't have written it 10 years earlier because I didn't have the wisdom that I had when I actually wrote it. And then once I wrote a few books, I was like, oh, is that the best of me? Will I be able to write better books? And then... David Sedaris has a book called The Best of Me. <laughs> really? It's a collective of his best writings. And then if you continue growing, changing, transforming, you gain more experience, more knowledge. And then, of course, your writing would become better. And it doesn't have to be about writing. I'm just using that example, but it could be about anything. That's the point. I think, unfortunately, people have these false narratives that they convince themselves that this is as good as they can get. Or if they didn't get there, it means they should try something else. That it should be easy. And I think that's the other lie. Like also if true. it's going to you know, happen. But also, but I, I, do, I do want to underscore this idea that the blessings that you're looking for, they're waiting for your transformed self. That's my point, right? You can't manifest unless you get to the... Yeah, even if, you know, I think when people have children, right? When you you bring different souls down, I think it's... I think consciousness is a part of it, right? There has to be... Talking about a conception or as they're growing? (laughs) No, all of it, really. But I do want to add on to Amy Edmondson, because I think this is really great for our listeners in terms of identifying failures. So she has three types. The first is basic failure. It usually means you missed or messed up one step. 
While the failure is basic, the ramifications can be big or small, like mixing up salt and sugar in a recipe or leaving the stove on, like basic mistakes, basic failure. Then there's complex failure, means that there are multiple factors that led to one big failure. Edmondson uses the supply chain breakdown during the pandemic as an example of a complex failure. There are several things happening at once for a perfect storm. But let's focus on the third kind, that's intelligent failures. These are the results of exploring new territory, pursuing a goal, you've done your homework, and the potential failure is as small as possible and can be learned from, right? So you understand that this kind of failure, there's a, it's a necessary process. And she encourages us to do more of this kind of failing. So welcome the lessons of failure, like being a scientist. Scientists expect tests to be wrong, right? That's part of it. They see every failure as an important step by knowing what doesn't work or what isn't correct, all part of the process of figuring out what does work. And I think that's invaluable. Like if we can take that approach to everything, then you're really a healthy human being as far as I'm concerned. She lays out the following questions to ask yourself to improve your intelligent failures. What, what is it I'm really hoping to do? What's the progress I'd really love to make? What do I know currently about how to achieve that goal? And what do I not know? Sorry, can you say them again? What is it I'm really hoping to do? What's the progress I'd really love to make? What do I know currently about how to achieve that goal? What do I not know? I think that last question is really powerful because very often we're very busy saying what we do know, improving what we do know. If you're honest with yourself, what do I not know? Then you're the scientist again. This was memorably phrased by former Secretary of State Donald Rumsfeld as known unknowns. We know there are some things we do not know. So what might I try next to see what will happen? And she gives this example of Julie Child. She would often make Julia. Mis- yeah, it is Julia. Julia Child would often make mistakes on her show, and then she'd laugh, which I love that approach, right? And she'd say, "Oh well, that didn't go very well." She'd then explain what went wrong, and then she'd fix it. Not only were her mistakes informative, but they were endearing. They made cooking fun, low risk, and removed anxiety for her audience of trying to achieve perfection. Sure, she was in front of a national TV audience, which can feel pretty high risk, but at the end of the day. It was just an omelet. Right. And what I would add to this, which I think is, again, hopefully resonates with our listeners, that being able to see our mistakes and our failures and actually embracing them is a gift. It's a skill and it's a gift. There's a, a teaching from the ancient Kabbalists, and they say, if a person thinks, sees that things aren't going right, that there are, there are things that he or she doesn't want, but are coming into our li- that person's life, it says, then he should study. He should take the time to invest in spiritual study. And it says, and, and, and if he or she continues to not be able to discover, you should study even more. What is the point of that lesson? That most of us, unless you're deeply introspective, and this is something uh, Amy uh, Edmondson talks about as well, the, the importance of reflecting. But to say, to know that the fact that, and again, any one of our listeners right now would ask, if you stop for a second, what are your top, the top three things you need to change? Do you, would you, I'm, I'm not asking you to share necessarily, but it would, can yeah, you, I'm super can you, clear. Yeah. <laughs> as I ask myself that daily. Yeah. So, I, so I would ask our listeners because, if the answer is no, I mean daily, especially if I'm having a day that was how I planned it. But I, but I, it's an exercise; it's part of my daily but, but, experience. And the, the point is, and if not, take the time, 
to meditate, to study, because if we're not clear, if we're not seeing, it's not that there isn't what to change, it's that we're blind to it. And and the gift and skill of of discovering and seeing what, what it is that we need to change is a tremendous blessing. It doesn't come without spiritual work. And therefore, if you really understand that, or if you ask yourself the question, what, what is the one thing, three things, that I need to change today, tomorrow, in my life? And if you don't have an answer to that question, going back to what we said before, you are not ready for your next blessings. You are not ready to manifest your next blessings. Only if you, if you are constantly, relatively constantly, and by the way, and this isn't about being negative towards yourself, because you, you, you understand this is actually the perfect process for you. So, discovering those areas, or becoming clear about those areas that you need to change, is one of the greatest blessings you can have, because that is actually the road towards transformation. And I would add one more thing. I was having a conversation with somebody last week, and they asked me, you know, they were, you know, every once in a while people are open, they tell me what it is that I need to change. And I told him, I was also very clear that he probably doesn't have the perseverance to see that change through. Hmm. So, I have, you know, in, in, in the work that we do... You didn't I, share that second part with him. No, I probably should. I, I will probably next time I see him. Well, I'm going to make sure you do. <laughs> uh, but, but this is true about so many people. There will be a moment of clarity. Oh, my God, I need to change this. I can't believe I did it. But, but, but it doesn't end there. That is just the, the vision. Then the work begins. And you have to be consistent with it. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes, again, we, we address mistakes or address failures when they are acute, but then we don't awaken the long-term perseverance of work in order to truly transform them. And this is, again, another question I, was, I would ask our listeners. What is something that not only that you realized you need to change, but you took the time and the effort day after day, and week after week, and month after month, until you actually saw that change. And it's one of the saddest things. And again, I do have these conversations often with people who are like, you know, tell me something that I need to change, or what is it, or why did this happen, what do I... And, and, and it's relatively clear, even clear to them at the time, but more often than not, you realize they're not going to have the desire or perseverance to really make the change, because change only happens over time when you're consistent with your work. But I think people don't have the desire of perseverance because they don't think it's possible and they have so much fear around failure. And again, from a childhood, right? Protect yourself at all costs. Being vulnerable is not safe. So I do want to touch upon vulnerability and criticism for a second. So I think that's a big part of why people think that they they can't change anything, right? Whoever you were speaking about. I think if you awoken them to, because the fact that they're asking means they have some kind of desire. Of course, in right? that moment, absolutely. Right. It was and genuine. they're probably not aware that they don't, what's blocking them, right? So I don't know if it's that they don't have the person, why don't they have the perseverance? So I think if you understand the why sometimes, then you can get to the other side of it. Anybody who's put themselves out there, for instance, on social media, and you get comments that are hurtful and criticism that can make anybody kind of spiral and just stay in bed for a moment. So Brene Brown had a video of hers go viral, and despite both her husband and the therapist telling her to not read the comments, <laughs> she read the comments. And while most of them were positive, we all know how negativity bias works. It was the negative comments that sent Brene into a spiral of binge watching, 
binge watching Downton Abbey for eight hours straight. Yeah, that negativity bias. So from that experience, Brene shares, life is not about winning or losing. It's about showing up and being seen. I really love this. And if you're going to show up and be seen, there's only one guarantee. You're going to get your butt kicked. She used a different word. I love this quote from Theodore Roosevelt that so perfectly sums up the risk and rewards of trying, failing, and allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the process. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I love that. Beautiful. So after coming upon this quote, Brene changed her attitude towards criticism. She decided on the spot that if someone who wasn't also in the arena, also getting their butt kicked, then she wasn't interested in their feedback. I could not agree more. Beautiful. So if you would leave our listeners... I want to ask oh, you one question. Sure. I want to ask you two questions. Two questions. Can you recall a time when you initially felt like you had failed, but it couldn't have turned out so well in the end without that initial failure? Because you've never ever used that word. I've never actually heard you use that word about yourself. But there must be a time you felt like that. I've made mistakes, of course. But failure to me means... Because my view is that life is a process of growth and development, both as both what one would call the mistakes, the failures, and the triumphs. So the failure somehow implies that you didn't achieve and you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And I think and this is the the idea that that if you're never giving up, right? If you ask me have I achieved what I want to achieve in life, of course not yet. <laughs> right, because because I hope that you know I, I yes I've I've achieved certain things, but my goal my goals are endless. So so my you know that that process is an end. So any lack of accomplishment so far is just the next goal that I'm going towards. So I don't think I'm trying to think. I've had again mistakes certainly, you know, both personally and 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 in work, but. I don't really see them as failures, or or even mis- again mistakes. If I've done something, like if I hurt somebody, or or I did something that that I shouldn't have done, of course I want to learn from them. But when I'm trying to achieve something and it doesn't work out, I just see that as part of the process. I mean, I, I'm just thinking. But there are certain things that are, that I've invested, I invested time and effort in, and they didn't work out as I wanted them to. But I really trust the process. I really trust the process. So I never, I never view it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, don't be sorry. I was going to ask you a second question, but I, I know your answer, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> so I, I think, I, I hope that we have inspired our listeners both to desire to live a life of change, and we need a stronger word than embrace the mistakes and the failures, because they lead us to the person Appreciate that we them. need to be. Like yeah. Really embrace them, and be safe with yourself to see them, and awaken the perseverance to want to truly change those aspects. And stay in the arena, basically. Exactly. And become the person that you you need to be becoming all the Mm -hmm. time. So, this is a perfect time to remind our listeners to send your 
questions, comments, stories to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. All your questions, all your comments, all your inspirations, all your ideas for topics. We read your emails and we are inspired by them. And when we share them with our listeners, they are inspired by them as well. As always, share this podcast with everybody you know. Go to Apple Podcasts, write five-star reviews. And as always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Stay spiritually hungry.